and welcome to another edition of the Quanta Cafe. My name is Paul Gilbert and I'm the CEO of Quanta and we provide the teaching and research solutions for the academic community all over the world. And it's my distinct pleasure to be able to have conversations with academic leadership from all over the world. And today is no exception. I'm, I'm today joined by, I would say, a very good friend of mine, Dr. Natasha De Paula from the uh, Institute engineering institute sorry the illinois institute of technology in the united states and we've known each other for quite some time and before i start i just want to say one thing natasha i think you are just a wonderful human being so let's get that out of, out of the way before we start the conversation of, of, about the engineering education uh, natasha has uh, she received her phd in medical engineering uh, uh, medical physics from the division of health science and technology at harvard medical school and the Massachusetts Institute of Technology in 1991. She completed her postdoctoral work at Columbia University in the Artificial Organs Research Lab, 1992. In 1994, she went to Rinaslea Polytechnic Institute, where she served as the chair of the Biomedical Engineering Department from 2004 to 2009. And her research investigates the role of physical mechanisms on cellular behavior, emphasizing its importance to the understanding of human disease development of new therapies and the engineering of functional tissues which i think in today's climate is something that a lot of people would be very interested in and i know for a fact that you know natasha you've been dean for uh, over 11 years i think and you've just stepped down as the dean and your passion to get back into your into your research in, in biomedical engineering uh, natasha is a fellow of the american institute for medical and biological engineering and a member of the Biomedical Engineering Society, the American Society for Mechanical Engineers, and the American Society for Engineering Education. She was named one of Chicago's Women of Achievement in 2009 and received the 2012 IEEE Women in Engineering Award. She also served as the chair of the Global Engineering Deans Council, I think from 2019 to, sorry, 2017 to 2019. And like I said earlier on, I've known you for a long time, and I know you're passionate about uh, engineering education, women in engineering, and the broader kind of need for equity, diversity, and inclusion. And I'm so happy to have you join. Thank you very much for taking the time to, to chat with me. Thank you, Paul. And uh, thank you for that, such a nice introduction. And it is my great pleasure to be able to be here today chatting about topics that are of a great importance to both of us and, um, and that we have been talking about for, for a long time. So I think that uh, this is a great opportunity to retake in, in many of those conversations that we have uh, after conference meetings uh, <laughs> late into the evening. So this is this is really a great opportunity. I was I was just saying to to uh, my colleagues that these conversations are there's so much. Like, unfortunately, we are at a distance, but they they are like sitting there having a coffee or having a glass of wine before a, before a meal. Uh, and we've spent, we've been fortunate enough to meet in many different places around the world, pretty much every continent, I think, over the last number of years. Um, but before I get started, I mean, one of the things which is always interesting to me is how people got started in engineering in the first place. I mean, you're a, you're a very accomplished uh, professional now, but what, what, what inspired you in the first place to get involved in engineering? Yeah. Yeah, that's a very good question. So uh, it starts very, very early uh, when I was uh, a kid. I always was intrigued by everything that was science related. I actually, um, but in engineering as applied as something in which apply science and um, I think I was drawn by uh, the interest in, in building gadgets, uh, coming up with solutions. I would go around the house as a little kid, you know, building things, uh, which I 
you know, <laughs> not everybody was was happy about it, but I was just, uh, but I enjoyed tremendously um, uh, doing that. I was, um, so that was some kind of, a, um, you know, curiosity that I have and that I have the opportunity to to play with that. Big inspiration, I would say, was my mother. My mother, who, who she uh, passed a few years ago, uh, she was a professor of physics and mathematics. And uh, my mother was uh, a great inspiration, uh, someone that, you know, always, um, um, you know, showed me how to uh, think um, uh, about science. Um, and when I was a kid, I used to, you know, um, uh, out of, you know, I'm, I'm one of three children, but I remember I was the only one that will just tag along with my mother to, to <laughs> when she, when she had to do some work, even sometimes in the evening. And uh, I would just pack a little, a little snack and go and spend some time with my mother in the lab and uh, just, 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 you know, play around. And, you know, I think she was such a, such a wonderful um, person that actually very dedicated to education. So I think um, that's, you know, I think um, my mother was a big inspiration for me and somebody who support all the things that I always wanted to do. So I, I'm being involved in education since a very, very early age. So I'm always interested because, you know, we've been involved in discussions around women in engineering and there's always the challenges around um, the concerns young women have, young ladies have about going into a scientific or an engineering profession. It sounds to me like you've got a lot of encouragement along the way. Is that something different? in, in uh, Latin America than maybe in other parts? Uh, I would say in general, in, in, um, even with, uh, you know, I never sensed that growing up in Latin America that there was restriction for women. And actually okay. you, you find in Latin American women occupying all sorts of uh, positions of, uh, of leadership in many areas that I think, um, uh, I, think I, I saw that as a natural thing happening as I was growing up. So I think for me, it was when I came to the state to study that I started realizing that, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, it seems like it's different, right? Yeah, well, that, that uh, will probably explain, it'll probably explain just, just how, why you find it so important to, to, to participate in a mentor. And then, so you went out to university and you kind of shifted to biomedical engineering. What was the kind of thrust that kind of pushed you in that direction? I just got so fascinated by the whole concept that you could do all the things that you learn in mechanical engineering, how, that you can apply this to, to the human body, that you wow. could actually uh, just contribute to the overall field of, uh, you know, to, of medicine in general. So I think I was completely taken and I said, this is what I want to do. Um, and, uh, so, uh, so then I just set up in this path to decide, well, how am I going to do this? And I actually came across with the program, uh, this program that is a combined MIT and Harvard is specific to, to, to medical engineering, medical physics It's a program mm -hmm. in health science and technology that I read that. And I was just fascinated about it. And I say, this is where I want to go. <laughs> and <laughs> but also so you, you you chose kind of a relatively easy school to get into <laughs> i just, I just kind of was like wow when i read you know what the training is even what you have to do when you're there and what can you do after i say oh this is really really what i want to do and i wow. set up my mind this is this is what i want to do so then i apply and uh and you see back then i i don't know how how much some of that has changed but back then was, uh, and, and you're going to understand this a little in how does it link in women in engineering and yeah, all that. Yeah, yeah. So back then, 
uh, this program is um, it was uh, a doctoral program. Um, uh, as I told you, I was fascinated by it. And they will accept um, uh, all the students that would accept it. They have a scholarship, and they will accept only ten students a year worldwide. Wow. So I apply, and I'm like, I'll never get in. <laughs> you know, so. I'll never get in. So, I mean, you know, I mean, there's so many people and uh, so many, you know, smart people, great people, you know, many already here at MIT and all of that. So, you know, I'm like, I'll never get in. And uh, so, but I apply and I went through, you know, the interviews and all that. I was at that time already working in one of the hospitals in a very interesting project. And before, you know, I get admitted. So I'm like, wow, I'm like kind of half super scared. <laughs> I'm like, you know, I have, okay, now I'm in this thing and I just got a kind of, you know, nothing. It's the work ahead of me. And, uh, but the reason I mentioned this is that one of the things as we get to discuss, you know, women yeah. in engineering and all that is that we still, there's been a lot of progress uh, in, in how we have made, uh, uh, things better for women in engineering, not only to study, but also um, working in industry or any other sector. Right. But I think there is a still the thing that we are always put in the position that we need to prove ourselves. We are always put in a position that you, you know, um, you know, you are, you want to do something and you have to do either more work or you got to explain it more because right. it's not, compared to, you know, uh, I would say, you know, men will do. Um, and then that actually puts you in the position that you second guess yourself. Right. Um, yeah. and, and I think that becomes, you know, it's tiring, right? That you have to be proving yourself. So it takes a lot of, I think, you know, mentoring, having experiences that you, you begin to have that self-confidence and you know me, you know that I'm, I'm yeah, I know you do, you, you, you no, but, but, but it's, 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 it's very interesting. I mean, it, 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 there's a parallel there with, with my daughter. I told you that she wanted to go to one, one university and, and it was a special university and she got rejected the first time around because she, I, I think because she was applying from an unknown school here in Canada to the UK and, um, she didn't get in the first time, but all of, my wife's friends, my wife and, and myself, all, a lot of women role models said, apply again. Because you know what, guys just down the torpedoes, they'll keep doing it. Whereas a lot of women will say, oh, maybe I'm just not good enough and I won't try, I won't persevere. So, you know, this is really inspirational for, the, for those people as well. And, and I, I was, I, I, you know, first of all, I just wanna say, I just love the passion with which you talk about the memories, clearly they're still vivid about how you got there and how you know, surprised you were that you finally got in, which is no surprise to me, by the way. Um, and, and, but your driving force was the impact that you wanted to have. I mean, sure, you worked in the railroad sector and that's interesting, but you wanted to make a difference. And, 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 and I, I, I hear this a lot about the, the, the percentage of women engineers that come into the field, they want to make a difference. And, and when you talk about kind of socially relevant projects that they work on, it's a larger proportion of the female student population that gets involved. Even though there's only maybe what twenty percent of the undergraduate population uh, is female, so that so that kind of leads me into kind of talking about where where you have been for the last ten twelve years at uh, at IIT in Chicago, and you talked to me a lot about the the goal to develop programs for impact. So maybe you could describe some of those or some of the the, the work we've been doing there to to make that happen. 
I think one of the things that drove me tremendously to, to Illinois Tech is that it's a small private institution in the city of Chicago, which has an incredible potential on everything that they were doing. They have excellent faculty, so this is a research institution. They, you know, okay. do research and all. But I think that that uh, uh, opportunity to work um, to work uh, developing programs that can advance uh, education and have impact of, on the students and on the city, it really got me fascinated. Um, and I think part of that is. Um, but in, you see, in order, and I learned that when I was um, department head, I mean, in order to be able to create programs and make change, you have to be in positions in which you can do that. You, right. We do a lot as faculty, but, you know, if you really want to implement a new program and you, it's much easier. So it give you that ability. So I said, as a dean, I will be able to probably, uh, you know, implement uh, programs. Uh, that could have impact, and I think that to me was uh, was a big draw to to come and take the position of dean, and uh, and uh, and uh, and I needed to slow down my research significantly, my fundamentals. Right. But but it, it's okay because I was just doing something, as you said, that you know I was motivated. I saw the impact, and you know, and I enjoyed tremendously. Uh, working well, you, with the students. You told me something about the institution which I didn't realize, and that's it, its founding principles were based on, on yes. that. that. That's an interesting story in itself. Yeah, the core of uh, Illinois Tech, I mean, uh, Illinois Tech was founded uh, with a $1 million gift that it was given uh, on uh, based on, uh, on the thought of creating a university that will provide affordable education to the children of the of the workers of South Chicago. Wow. And the university is, is, I think it's 185 years old. I mean, I may be wrong, <laughs> plus minus, but this was yeah. happening, you know, uh, wow. uh, when, when, you know, at the beginning of, there was a lot of um, uh, industry development in the, in the area. South Chicago was an area with that was very industrialized. Uh, one of the biggest uh, focus was in, in meatpacking. Uh, and uh, there was a lot of uh, industry and technology uh, around that back then. So I think that's uh, that's how the university was created. And the university have kept that that promise and that in their core of what they do, which is very inspirational as well. So the university- So you have, so you, so you have a really tight connection with the commerce and the industry in, in South Chicago and, and probably expanded to, to other parts of Chicago as well, I would imagine. Yeah, and, and, and mainly the, the university, um, uh, keeps this that the importance of provide affordable education the important to bring um, uh, people of lower means to through education to to elevate uh, their, right. their standing and i think that is important and the university have a number of scholarship programs and you know and i think that's very inspirational yeah so so i mean you've been you you were dean for 11 years 11 and, yeah a little bit more yeah, and, and I know, I know there's, there's so many things that you told me about that you've worked on over the years, but what are maybe one or two of the things that you're the most proud of that, 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 that you've been able to implement and see through that are still thriving today? Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, um, um, I, I uh, implemented uh, a program that I call the IIT engineering themes. And the idea was to create an umbrella program that will be all mainly focusing on enrichment. So the okay. engineering curriculum is very packed as it is, 
uh, the question is how we can enrich in order to bring additional additional opportunities that can actually help the students to get better prepared for the workplace. So my goal was I want my students, you know, uh, coming from our program to get the best jobs out there. <laughs> and uh, yeah. and you know we have excellent professors and a curriculum and we all our programs are able to credit it and you know it's all great. But I think you know you you have to always look into what will be that extra edge. So I created this program. They have multiple things underneath. That was an umbrella program. And one of the things that it has that I think um, uh, have resulted with a great impact on the students' education and opportunities after is I created an, um, uh, an undergraduate research program okay. that I would say all institutions probably have undergraduate research programs because we all have by now recognized the value of doing research right. for an undergraduate student. But I think there were a couple of things that I did different. One was to make sure that uh, uh, the students could, um, could have this opportunity from day one. They didn't, they didn't have to wait until they know they have taken all the important classes. And, you know, you know that sometimes, you know, in order to go and work in a research lab, there is the thing about that, you know, the, 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 the leading professor would like somebody who can actually know how to do something. Right. And we all know because we all have have, you know, students in our labs. So I think I, I set it up so that the students could start at any level. That was one item. The second item will be that it will have a process of matching properly the, the student interest and ability with the faculty project and needs. And that took, took a lot of work to set it up, but I think you know, it's very successful because, and I did that because I didn't want any faculty to come back and tell me, well, you gave me a bad student. So it's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> so so in, the, in the process, so, so this is interesting. So the students yeah. come in and, and, and I know from my own experience and from experience of other people that 18 year olds coming into university don't really know a lot about engineering, but they have ideas of what they want to do. Right. And so how, how do you deal with faculty? Because obviously a lot of students didn't know much. So so how, how did they get them to kind of be effective? Well, yeah, we did a couple of things. Uh, and that was the, the third thing that I did is I created um, an incentive that actually um, uh, helped on the following way. Um, first, we have uh, many students that they have uh, either low income or so some of the students need to be, um, you know, working sometimes during the school year, certainly mm -hmm. during the summer, summer. So I set up the program so that the students will receive, the students will receive a stipend. So that the student, instead of, you know, particularly the student who needed to do some work, they don't have to work. You can just do something that it's not work, but it's actually contributing to education and, and give you some funds. By doing that, what happened, and we set up, we set up in the program a set of rules into how the students need to advance. There is a mentoring program associated with that. Mm -hmm. The students need to report. And for the faculty, the incentive was that they get a student that they don't have to pay for. They will come right. to the lab. The student is, is kept to the standards that we set up in the program, that they got to do all these things, including at the end, they need to give a presentation in, a, in an expo and they have to submit um, uh, you know, uh, uh, a, a paper or a report to, to the university student uh, research journal. So we set up mm -hmm. all the things as requirements. The students um, uh, were receiving uh, some stipend and we then supplemented that 
uh, from the program in general that all students that they were participating, uh, that they were matched to specific projects in laboratories, and that took you know, all the matching thing, the students will be participating in um, uh, other activities that were part of the program. Like we introduce the students to the art of doing research in general. Mm -hmm. We have a series of seminars and lectures in which it is somewhere to, for example, to tell the student, how do you record data? How do you keep track of the thing? So we did that with a, with a, with this, um, with a, uh, a core team of faculty that I work very closely. We developed the thing. So we were having the students, you know, in the lunch hour, uh, to participate in all these complementary things that they were they were making them better prepared to then be in the laboratories because so otherwise you know people so we were doing this supplementing from the from the side because the research cannot be done unless you are in the laboratory with the faculty but you know the faculty will just not take anyone so but, but, I, but I like this because you, you're, you're talking about providing some real skills that they can take into the lab with them. We've we've talked to a lot of, you know, professors in in, in our world with that their challenge with students come out of undergraduate and go into research labs. They do the master's program. They want to go into a doctoral program, but they don't have the basic skills of 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 lab work or or, or interacting with hardware. Um, but you're you're bringing that into the program really early on. I'm also interested in how how did you find them working with authentic, let's say authentic projects, your research projects, which are, are, are meaningful to them. How did that impact their academic work? You know, the studying of the principles and the concepts. Did, did, did you notice a difference there? What is the impact? I think this, the students, um, the students who participated in, in, the, in, in this initiative, they all did very well. We actually, one of the things that we created as part of this program is we created a portfolio system in which uh, the student, which is part of the umbrella program, in which the students will log in all the activities that they were doing. We will create activities. These are all enrichment activities, and it could be a seminar, or it could be a field trip to an interesting corporation or what have you, in the different topical areas that we, um, uh, we were focusing. And the students, uh, so we will create this from the college, when the students participate, they get they log in that they have participated. We created the, the backing of what the activity was. The students could um, put their experience, report their experience in there. And then what happened is we were giving them points to the students. We have a point system. It's not a credit system because this is all enrichment. But this actually not only created the motivation, it allowed us to track what was happening. So then what happened at the end of the year, and this is a program that ran for 10 years. Right. Uh, at the end of the year, at graduation time, we will recognize the students based on the different activities that they accumulated, that they have participated. And different activities will have a different uh, level of points, as you know. If you, if you commit yeah. to research for a whole semester, that, that's much more value than participating in a couple of seminars. But what this allows us to do is to recognize the student, motivate them, and then that way we actually did the assessment. Those students who ended up, that participated and were recognized, were actually the students who were performing academically the best. 
really so that's a great so, that's a great correlation right? so so to me you know we were not kind of checking daily their academics we were actually looking at the overall and th those students were doing academically where they, they were top in the class and they were actually participating in all that so we recognized them at the end by just you know we we among them we sorted out who will get the gold medal or the you know <laughs> so we do those kind of things to motivating and so that's one way that we think that their academics um you know impacted their academic that constant motivation and engagement and working with other people because that drove them in activities that they were just opening doors for them daily but also through this uh, uh, general you know engineering things program and particularly through the research many students discover what they really wanted to do well i mean i i, I talk about this all the time you know when, when i interview engineers for my company um you can always tell the ones that have had project work where they work with other people they mm -hmm. can communicate they can share their ideas it's not sufficient to just be able to derive equations or understand concepts you've got to understand how to apply them and in today's world you know we're living in a a, a, a very connected systems oriented world so we have to understand how to work with other people different cultures and so on but that's a program which is very hands-on and yes. then in the last 12 months obviously we've had a a very challenging year with the pandemic. How, how did that affect uh, your institution? Well, uh, I think we were affected like everybody else. I mean, the first, you know, we didn't think that it was really happening. Uh, <laughs> then all of a sudden we find ourselves like, pack your things because we may not come back <laughs> right. for a while. And then right there came the big charge. We got to convert everything we do to be delivered remotely. The university was fully committed that the students will complete their academic year. Right. The students that were um, uh, scheduled to graduate will graduate. So I think the university had that commitment. And, you know, for me, <laughs> it was like, those were supposed to be the last couple of months, the last couple of months <laughs> in my internship. I was like, supposed to be winding down, you know? This is supposed to be easy street, right? I'm not right. work this hard. This is supposed to be like, you know, we're talking about March when this is happening. I'm supposed to be kind of ending my deanship in May, you know, and uh, so I'm supposed to kind of just be planning my transition and all that. And all of a sudden it's like, whoa. So we needed to, and I needed to lead that in the College of Engineering. I have a phenomenal team of department chairs and all that, but we actually converted everything and we were able to complete the, the academic year with all the students doing what they needed to do remotely you rally the troops and, and so i'm not surprised that you have a phenomenal team of people working with you at, at, uh, at the institution because it, it's just it's the nature of the beast um but but what, but what do you summer, think but, but, but yeah. something i wanted to add here is that then this summer was a challenge in the following way uh particularly you asked me about the hands-on activities uh with the, right, with the research right, right. Where the summer comes when we normally have tons of students on campus doing research and doing um, uh, you know summer programs which is something that we also emphasize is a great opportunity for the students to advance for us in addition as a, as a private um, uh, tuition dependent uh, institution it's very important that we run summer programs uh, you know for financially right, so right. that was another thing that we needed to 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 focus on and then we we again reach out to the faculty and talk about what are the um, remote components of the research projects that we can actually uh, put forward so that we don't lose a summer 
of research. And I'm telling you, we have a very significant research uh, program going on remotely in the summer. Wow. How did you manage the uh, the remote lab situation? Because, yeah, I, I can see in certain fields you can do the research at home and you can collaborate, you know, um, by email and text and, and so on. Yeah. But when it comes to, 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 to physical research, how did you manage those kinds of things? There was a, um, a number of lectures that were developed to introduce the, the lab periods and concept to be guided. Mm -hmm. And then some of the labs, physical labs, were open. They were open, but they were always, uh, in some cases, they will only have the students and they will have uh, rolling sessions. So because right. there will only be like four students in the, in the, in the lab. And the students will come with all protected gear. They will be screened that the instructor is communicating with them, but the instructor, we, they needed to do this multiple times mm -hmm. to accommodate the students. So we did that. Now, these two things that we did, you know, we were able to deliver what we needed to deliver, but that is not optimal. I think right. what we need to be looking is at the, the future of changing. And I think we learned a lot of lessons through the pandemic is to implement this in a way that we can actually do using the technology, using concepts of virtual twins and all that. Right, right. We can have laboratories that are running without people and people are running the labs and actually manipulating the instruments and doing measurements remotely. And we know that the technology exists. Yes. We have not done that yet. We have some faculty who are exploring that at this point, but you know, I'm not the dean anymore. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I know you. I know. I know you'll be looking over your shoulder, at you, and you, you said that the, the incoming dean, you like him. He's a, he's a nice guy. He had oh, to. Oh, he's a great kind of, guy. He's a great yeah, guy. He, he, he had to kind of kind of figure out how to do things remotely to come from another city, and while you were taking care. But I mean, I mean, we've talked so so many times over the years about new approaches to education, the flipped classroom approach and students doing work from home and having more mentorship from faculty as opposed to, you know, one-way lectures. Do you think, you know, in, in a strange way, the, the pandemic has helped accelerate that to some degree? Absolutely, because right now that is happening in almost every single uh, uh, course, because um, uh, we have some courses that are being taught on, uh, on campus. We, we have had flexibility because of where we are located and the fact that we have actually been, uh, the, the, uh, the measurements that were taken on campus have been terrific. We have had almost no cases in all this period. So it's been, it's been great. So we have, we have some, we have, and there has been some choice. So some choice, uh, some professors are teaching on, on, on campus with all the, 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 the uh, you know, the, the requirements. Uh, some are teaching online. We have a number of hybrids, and mm -hmm. I think, and I think all what you just described is happening. So now the professors need to be flipping the classroom. The professors need to be, you know, uh, being uh, more connected. The students also have the opportunity to uh, do things online, sometimes mm -hmm. on their own schedule, and delivering for conversations. I think the part that I know that there is ongoing work um, that I think is, is really the remote lab component. I think the remote lab component is, it, uh, requires um, an additional level of sophistication. Yes. And this is yes. where I really hope that the, the college will, will uh, move into implementing that. 
uh, one of the things that I'm doing now, you haven't asked, but I'm going to tell you, <laughs> <laughs> is that uh, as I was transitioning and all this, and I was very interested in, in the application, exactly of the kind of things we're talking about for education and research to have more technology, that this is the world that we live today. So I, um, I created a center that was launched unofficially last July, officially sometime in the fall, which is called the Illinois Tech uh, Digital, uh, Digital Medical Engineering and Technology Center, which is a center for research and education. And what we are doing, I'll send you the website. You will see some of your some of the quantum instruments in, in there. And we'll make sure to, to, to put a link on that when we share this yeah, yeah. So what what I what we did there was like, okay, I wanted to introduce digital tools in the curriculum. I'm doing it now, focus in um, biomedical engineering because that's my department, that's my home, that's where I'm now working um, uh, full time. Uh, and as it, so, so we are developing educational material in modular forms, which are completely okay. done with digital tools that are to be inserted in different courses to get the students to be more proficient on this so the students get more comfortable. Uh, and this is something that I wanted to do anyways. I was planning to do this and I was already doing it yeah. uh, independent of the pandemic. But now with the pandemic becomes, this is great because these are, these are things that are specifically designed to be done remotely, meaning you, you just need to be connected the whole the whole solvers are on the cloud. And the idea is to do modeling simulation mm -hmm. on things that now you're doing all this in the computer. So I think that's yeah. what I'm doing. That's one of the things that I'm doing these days. So you gotta- That's, that, that, that's fantastic, Natasha. It, it's, it's oh, honestly, <laughs> you're, you're an inspiration. You know, like I said, in, in this process, I've learned a whole lot more about you, but you know, I knew a fair bit beforehand. And, and, and I, I just, I think for, for young women, for young engineers, uh, for making it accessible and the impact that you're you're achieving by making sure the students go, go through the program are doing more than just their academic studies. They're actually rounding out the experience to make them much better prepared and not only prepared, have a sense of what they want to do with their lives, what they want to do with their careers um, and, and, and making it available now to, to, to students who maybe couldn't afford it or uh, and, and making them feel welcome in your program. It's it's amazing. Thank you so much, Natasha, for for, for taking part in this, and uh, I wish you all the best in your transition. Hopefully, you you can can uh, be proud of what you've achieved as a dean and move on to some 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 amazing research work that I know that you'll do in the next few years. So, thanks very much. No, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me and giving me the opportunity to talk about uh, this, which is something very close to my heart. And uh, and uh, and I think it's great that you uh, doing this series to kind of you know share with everyone conversations that we all been having. Well, that's uh, right. I, I I find it it's kind of interesting to, that because you know we meet at these conferences, 200, 300 people, um, and have great presentations. But hopefully, this can expand these thoughts, these ideas, and something you've said, or many things you've said actually, will resonate with people in various parts of the world, and hopefully inspire them to do something special so thanks very much and by the way it doesn't take a lot to to, to encourage me to come to chicago so when this is all over i look forward to coming and seeing you absolutely i was about <laughs> to say i look forward to the time that even though we can do all this remotely we gotta we gotta get back together face to face yes absolutely you take care thanks very you much too. thank all you so best. much thank you so much okay bye